0: Good morning. Today we will follow the order of service on page seven in the supplement to uh, what hopefully will be the Augustana Service Book and Hymnal uh, that is being prepared. If if there are not enough copies, uh, you go to page fifteen and you will do just fine because I think the congregations. Responses, uh, the music. There might be some variations in music, but the congregations' responses are the same. Uh, in the page 15 service for our hymns, they'll be in the Lutheran hymnal, still in the in the red or blue book. We'll, we will go through this today. I'm not planning to chant today, uh, the, the the chant parts in there, but we can try that sometime. Uh, we will go through this today and and. Uh, may go kind of slow, and I don't promise you that I'll get all the, there are a couple slight wording changes, and slight wording changes are sometimes harder than changing the whole text, because you say it the way you've learned it, and said it for 40 years, and it's a little hard to, all of a sudden, say it differently. But, so anyway, today we'll try to do this one. Our opening hymn today is hymn number 132. which is, O God of God, O light of light. confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. mighty god merciful father i a poor miserable sinner confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which i have ever offended thee and justly deserved thy temporal and eternal punishment but i am heartily sorry for them and surely repent of them and i pray thee of thy boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy innocent bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you who heartily heartily repent of your sins, believe on Jesus Christ, and sincerely and earnestly purpose by the assistance of God the Holy Ghost, henceforth to amend your sinful lives. And in this stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. For our intro today, we will continue to read the psalm as we have, and today... We read Psalm number one responsibly with the congregation, reading those verses in bold type. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Thank household continually in thy true religion, that they who do lean upon the hope of thy heavenly grace may evermore be defended by thy mighty power through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. be seated. Our epistle lesson for today is recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 2, the first 16 verses. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds." to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile but honor, glory, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many have sinned without the law, shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law, shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men, by Jesus Christ according to my gospel." Here ends the reading of the epistle. I ask you to please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. O praise the Lord, all ye nations, and land him, laud him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Hallelujah. The gospel lesson appointed for today is recorded in St. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 13, beginning at the 24th verse. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, Then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath the tares? He saith unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And though it's not a part of the gospel lesson for today, I'm going to continue at verse 36, because here Jesus explains the parable for us. And I've always wondered why it wasn't included in the reading, but I'm going to add it today. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Here ends our reading of the Holy Gospel. At this time, we join in confessing our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed, found on page 17. who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe one holy Christian apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, amen. You may be seated. We continue our worship by singing hymn number 295, The Law of God is Good and Wise. ask you to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we again ask your Holy Spirit's blessing upon the speaking and the hearing of your word this day, that we may see and acknowledge our own sinfulness, our own failures to live up to the requirements of your law, that we might humble ourselves before you and repent of our sins and look to the lord jesus christ to his cross for mercy and forgiveness we pray this in jesus name amen today we consider the epistle lesson read to you a little bit ago from romans chapter 2 but i would like to back up uh, as a reminder and give you the setting for this chapter, which is what we talked about last Sunday in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, it talks about the wrath of God being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness among those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, it's revealed to them what the truth is through God's creation, through the word of God. But instead of accepting that truth, they reject it and reject God and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. And at verse 21, it says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God And so it describes how, you know, deep down we know the truth. It's written in our hearts, the law written in our hearts. It is witnessed to us by all of God's creation that we're accountable to God. And yet we reject that truth and we worship and serve the creature, the created being rather than the creator. despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And we talked about how this describes our own nation. How because we have rejected God as our creator, and we've rejected his word, that God has given us over to our own sinful lusts and desires, and how that this has led us deeper and deeper into sin so that we we can't even recognize the truth anymore. You know, people keep saying, as I mentioned last week, keep saying, you know, we, we look to the science but instead of looking to the science, we reject the science and we say that, you know, it is perfectly fitting that a man has sexual relationships with another man or a woman with a woman instead of looking at what science clearly says. And we do those things which are not proper and fitting and pleasing to God. And sad to say, People know, again, deep down through the natural knowledge of God written in their hearts that they which commit such things are worthy of death. But not only do they do the same, you know, they, they rejoice in those who do them. And so we have you know, TV shows and everything glorifying and trying to make it look perfectly right to show that these Lifestyles which are completely contrary to God's design and creation are acceptable and good. And people rejoice and champion those who practice such things. because that doesn't then they don't feel so bad about their own sins and failings when they can rejoice that others are doing the same things. And we know that, as it says here, you know, the wrath of God is revealed against such things. And as we read these verses, we as Christians might easily think, okay, God, we see this all around us. Go get them. Carry out your judgment. They're deserving of death. And indeed they are. They deserve your eternal wrath and punishment for the lifestyles they live, for the things they do, for rejecting you, for turning aside into to fulfill their sinful passions and lusts. But then we come to chapter two. Of course, we remember in the epistle there was not a chapter break, so you didn't necessarily read chapter one and just stop there. You were reading a letter, and so you read on. Therefore thou art inexcusable O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. So we're quick to judge those who hold to, you know, are committing fornication, or adultery, or same-sex marriages or homosexual relationships we're c- quick to condemn those who commit murder who are stealing who are defrauding others and mistreating others but when we judge we're condemning ourselves too because we do the very same things now we might not do them in quite the same way Maybe they may not be the same outward sins, but we are still guilty. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, brings this out so clearly in Matthew chapter 5, where he speaks about God's commandments, and he tells us that, you know, we should not break even the least of God's commandments, and that our righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, or will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. And we say, Oh well, I haven't murdered anybody, I haven't killed But he goes on but I say unto you that whoever, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, which really means to be a vain person or empty-headed, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. So we might say, well, I've never killed anybody. Have we ever become angry at someone without a truly just cause? Have we ever thought evil of other people or spoken evil words to another person? Have we ever hurt other people? Jesus said, "Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And so we might say, well, I have not committed adultery. But even if we've had the thought or the desire for the spouse of another or one whom God has not rightly given us, we have committed adultery in our hearts. Jesus said again at Ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Neither shall you swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black, but let your communication be yea, yea, or yes, yes, nay, nay, or no, no, for whatever is more than these cometh of evil. Why do we even need to take an oath in the first place? It's because we can't be trusted. Because we need to take an oath in order to try to prove our words, and often when we take an oath and volunteer an oath, is to cover up some lie and try to convince somebody that what we're saying is true when maybe it's not the whole truth. Jesus said, Ye have heard that it hath been said, An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, That ye resist not evil, But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at law, And take away thy coat, Let him have thy cloak also. And how how often have we not, when someone does wrong to us, contemplated, well, how can we get back at them? How can we, you know, really fix them and do something to them that maybe is even worse than what they have done to us? Jesus pointed out to his hearers, In Matthew chapter 15 at verse 19, Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. They make us unclean. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. You know, Lani and I have had the privilege of taking care of prisoners. She got to do it more than I did. But I really can't say that there were too many people in prison for things, even for murder, who had done things that maybe had not crossed my mind at times. Maybe in certain cases I had the desire and wished I could have done something like that to someone who had done wrong to me. And so what Paul here writes, you know, we are so quick to condemn those who are guilty of these sins, but we ourselves are inexcusable because even though we may not have done them in the same way, we're still guilty of the same sins. He goes on to say, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And so God's judgment against those who do those things described in Romans chapter 1 and God's judgment against those who do those things that Jesus speaks about in his Sermon on the Mount is truly good and just. It's what we genuinely deserve. Sometimes Lee likes to use the argument, it's not fair when he can't get his way. I'm sure we've all heard that. We probably have all said that. And I told Lee, you know, if we got what we justly deserved, we would all be burning in hell right now. Because what we justly deserve is God's punishment everything every good thing that we receive above and beyond that is god's gracious gift to us and we should be thankful that god has not dealt with us as we deserve but as it says here you know we're sure that the judgment of god is according to truth god's judgment is true when we judge people we look at certain aspects of things and but we can't see what's in the heart we can't see the real attitude there and so we may judge people and we say, oh, well, you know, these people over here are pretty good. You know, They don't do these things. Do we know what's going on in their hearts? Do we know what God sees when he looks upon the heart? I think of God revealing things to Ezekiel about the priests. There's this hole in the wall and ezekiel's told to go through that hole he digs it out and goes through and he sees even the priests of god honoring all these pagan deities and holding all these false views Uh, you might even call it pornography that they were viewing in the privacy of their own homes when they were not in the temple and what this reveals is not you know just how bad the priests were at that time, but what it reveals is only God truly knows what's going on in people's hearts. And we are so quick to judge and condemn others for their sins, we don't often look deep inside our hearts and see how we are sinning in the same way and how we are guilty and how God would be just if he were to condemn us as well. He says, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? You know, God's not going to look down and see, you know, whether our names are on a Lutheran church roster and say, Oh, well, they're Lutherans. You know, it, it's okay. We'll pardon them had a previous publisher who, when a Lutheran got in trouble and made the newspapers, said those Lutherans just like to have fun. And uh, to a degree, to a degree, it is true that just being a Lutheran does not make us without sin. Just being a Lutheran does not take care of the sinful inclinations of our heart And we should not think that we are going to escape the judgment of God if we are doing the same things that we judge others for doing. He says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. One thing you may have noticed different in the absolution today, it is not a universal absolution. It is an absolution to those who repent of their sins and trust in Jesus Christ and with, and I can't remember the exact way it's worded here, but with the help and aid of God the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, henceforth seek to amend their sinful lives. And of course, That is true, that is who the absolution is for. It's for those who are sorry for their sins and look to Jesus for forgiveness and then truly seek to amend their lives. But when people go on in their sinful ways, are impenitent, they feel, well, I can just go to church and confess my sins, I have God's forgiveness, and don't have to change anything. St. Paul says they're treasuring up wrath. And our God is so very patient with us, long-suffering. He doesn't desire that any perish, but that all would repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, as we read in 2 Peter chapter 3. But it's kind of like water building up behind a dam. And this, of course, happened with Old Testament Israel. God warned them of the judgment to come. It didn't come right away. And we have the tendency to think, well, you know, I got away with this. Nothing happened. I can just go on, and God will forgive me, and it'll be okay. But the water is rising behind the dam. And if we continue on in impenitence, going on in our sinful ways impenitent or not sorry not looking to christ and not seeking to amend our ways what happens when the dam bursts and the water has built up behind that dam that's what saint paul is saying here after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of god So we're treasuring it up. It's getting more and more, and God is being patient with us. He wants us to repent. But if we don't, the dam will burst, and the wrath will wash us away in God's judgment. It says of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. In other words, those who are continuing to repent and look to Christ and seeking to live according to God's will, uh, they will be given eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the jew first and also of the gentile and i don't want to add to scripture but we could probably say of the lutheran first and also of all those poor non-lutherans out there who maybe don't know the truth but glory honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the jew first and also to the gentile and so what this is pointing out is God's judgment is entirely fair. As the next verse says, there's no respect of persons with God, no partiality. Those who break God's law stand condemned by God's law. Those who keep God's law are justified by God's law. Of course, the problem is who keeps God's law. And so the only way to be justified is through Christ and his righteousness. And so he says, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without law. And as many as as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. And so everyone is without excuse the unbeliever, or the one who does not have the Holy Scriptures, did not have God's Old Testament law, or does not have the Bible today, the law of God is still written upon their conscience. God's creation still testifies to them that there is an almighty, all-knowing God to whom they must give an account. When they break that law written written in their hearts or try to you know, hide it off there in the corner and do as they please, they are still breaking God's law and they will be judged by God on the basis of that law that was written upon their hearts. For us as Christians who have and study this book, the judgment is even more severe because we can't say, well, God, I didn't know, because we do. We can't say, God, I didn't have the opportunity to read and study your word, because we do. And so when we know that these things are wrong and we do them anyway, we have no excuse. It's worse for pastors, sorry, Marty. Pastors who devote much more time studying the scriptures to learning what they teach so they can share them with others are going to be held even to a higher standard. You know what God demands. You know what is right and wrong and what is pleasing to God and what is displeasing to him. And so when pastors sin, they're even more guilty than you are. I think it's one of the reasons the Apostle Paul could also call himself the chief of sinners. as He was very studious in his study of God's law, and yet he missed the one that the law pointed to, to Jesus Christ. He was persecuting him, punishing and even putting to death those who followed him. Pastors today know from the scriptures what is right and wrong. And when they are unfaithful in their preaching and teaching, or when they live contrary to what they teach, they are inexcusable before God. And I'd like to go on with the rest of the chapter today, but I know that would make it a very, very long sermon. But I'm going to wrap up by turning the page in my Bible to Romans chapter 3, which really is where all of this is taking us, and we'll talk about this more in the future. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. We are quick to look at the sins that are going on in the world and say how evil they are. God, judge. Judge but we deserve the same judgment because we know better. And yet in our hearts and minds, we still think evil thoughts. That's why I asked you that question. I think it was in Bible class. What do you think about when you have nothing else to think about? Because sometimes that question reveals the sinfulness of our own minds the things that we focus on in our minds, is it giving glory to God and following him, or is it our own selfish and sinful desires? And so as it says, every mouth, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And so Paul here has basically shut up everyone who had any pride in their own righteousness, any dependence upon their own works, because even though they were so good at condemning the others, when they really examine themselves in the light of God's law, they've done the same things. They're guilty before God. They deserve his wrath and punishment, and God is an impartial God. He's not going to pardon them because they have Abraham as their father, and they're not, he's not going to pardon us because we have Luther in our history. We stand guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so even though it speaks about people being justified by the law, since we haven't kept the law, none of us are going to be justified by the law. The only one who can be justified by God's commandments is the one who keeps each and every commandment perfectly in thoughts, desires, words, and deeds. And so we all stand condemned by God's law. We are just as guilty of sin as those who commit murder, those who practice homosexuality. It may not be as open and known, but we're still guilty before God. How thankful we can be for these next verses but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The Old Testament scriptures pointed to this. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And so God is a just God. He has punished sin, but he did so in his son, Jesus Christ. He laid your sins and my sins on his own son, and he condemned him there on the cross, and Jesus paid in full. And he did that so that all who looked to Jesus and his cross could have God's pardon and forgiveness. Those who despair of their own righteousness, but look to the perfect righteousness of Jesus, his act of righteousness or Act of obedience, whereby he kept all of God's commandments perfectly in our in his thoughts, desires, words, and deeds, something we can't even begin to grasp. And then who took our sin upon himself and paid the just punishment. That you and I, who are condemned by God's law, might be pardoned and forgiven and have life through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the reason for chapter two. And the first part of chapter 3, as well as the end of chapter 1, is to prepare us for the second part of chapter 3. To abandon any hope of being righteous before God on, on the basis of our own lives and works, and to place our faith solely on Jesus and his cross. In our last hymn, we sang these words in the last two verses. The law is good, but since the fall, its holiness condemns us all. It dooms us for our sin to die. It has no power to justify. To Jesus, we for refuge flee, who from the curse has set us free and humbly worship at his throne, saved by his grace through faith alone. God grant that we repent of our sins and that we cling to Jesus and his cross in faith for God's mercy and forgiveness. Amen. This time I need to look to see what we do next to make sure it's the same. I ask you to please stand. Uh, we are at the bottom of page 17 if you are, are lost like I am sometimes. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. continue our worship by bringing forward ask you to please stand and join in the prayers of the church. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank thee for all thy goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of thy dear Son, and for the revelation of thy will and grace and we beseech thee so to implant thy word in us that in good and honest hearts we may keep it and bring forth fruit by patient continuance and well-being. Most heartily we beseech thee so to rule and govern thy church universal with all its pastors and ministers that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of thy saving word whereby faith toward thee may be strengthened and charity increased in us toward all mankind. Grant also health and prosperity to all in authority, especially to the President and Congress of the United States, the governor and legislature of this commonwealth, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after thy good pleasure to the maintenance of righteousness and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please Thee also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for Thy name and for Thy truth's sake, comfort, O God, with Thy Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestations of thy fatherly will. And although we have deserved thy righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat thee, O most merciful Father. Remember not the sins of our youth, nor our many transgressions, but out of thine unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul, Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of thy mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show thyself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause also the needful fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land and sea, and all pure arts and useful knowledge and crown them with thy blessings. Today we lift up especially linda who is recovering from hip surgery and the dewitt family at the loss of of jerry we pray dear heavenly father for your healing and strength for linda that you would be with her that you would guide her doctors and those who care for her and that if it be your will you grant her healing and health that she may return home we also Lift up the DeWitt family and pray that you would offer comfort and strength to those left behind after a tragic accident. We pray for all these in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. These and whatsoever other things thou wouldest have us ask of thee, O God, vouchsafe unto us for the sake of the bitter sufferings and death of Jesus Christ, thine only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior, Who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. This time you may be seated, we will continue our worship uh, with hymn 307. you to please stand if you would turn to page 21 to the exhortation and uh, just so you know that the exhortation uh, was commonly a part of the communion services uh, in the lutheran hymnal it is in the confessional service which the confessional service was usually a service which was held uh, before uh, communion on sundays and so Uh, It was used, but it kind of fell into disuse because the confessional service isn't regularly used like it once was. And so we have it here uh, in this supplement. Dearly beloved, for as much as we purpose to come to the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, it becometh us diligently to examine ourselves as St. Paul exhorteth us. For this holy sacrament hath been instituted for the special comfort and strengthening of those who humbly confess their sins and who hunger and thirst after righteousness. But if we thus examine ourselves, we shall find nothing in us but only sin and death, from which we can in no wise set ourselves free. Therefore, our Lord Jesus Christ hath had mercy upon us and hath taken upon himself our nature so that he might fulfill for us the whole will and law of God, and for us and for our deliverance suffer death and all that we by our sins have deserved, and to the end that we should the more confidently believe this and be strengthened by our faith in a cheerful obedience to his holy will, he hath instituted the holy sacrament of his supper, in which he feedeth us with his body and giveth us to drink of his blood. Therefore, whoso eateth of this bread and drinketh of this cup, firmly believing the words of Christ, dwelleth in Christ, and Christ in him, and hath eternal life. We should also do this in remembrance of him, showing his death, that he was delivered for our offenses, and raised again for our justification, and rendering unto him most hearty thanks for the same, take up our cross and follow him, And according to his commandment, love one another, even as he hath loved us. For we are all one bread and one body, even as we are all partakers of this one bread and drink of this one cup. The Lord be with you. up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee. And now do we praise thee that thou didst send unto us thine only begotten Son, and that in him being found in fashion as a man, thou didst reveal the fullness of thy glory. the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body which is given for you this do in remembrance of me after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped and when, or when he had supped he gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink ye all of it this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the remission of sins. This do as often as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And I would invite you all to come forward. The Lord bless you and you and keep you in his baptismal grace. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for all your sins. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for all your sins. And the Lord bless you and keep you in his baptismal grace take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given unto death for all your sins. shed for the remission of all your sins. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, shed for the remission of all your sins. Now I ask you to please rise. Now may this holy body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake. Unto the Lord, for He is good. We give thanks unto Thee, Almighty God, that Thou hast refreshed us with this salutary gift. And we beseech Thee of Thy mercy, that Thou would strengthen us through the same in faith towards Thee and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. The Lord be with you. Bless we, the Lord. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. seated we close our worship by singing hymn 391 blessed are the sons of God to all of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, The announcements uh, this week, Wednesday, uh, February 8th, 7 o'clock, via Jitsi, uh, we will begin a study of the Minor Prophets, and we'll begin with Hosea, Uh, even though uh, the order, I guess, depends on whether you want to take them chronicle chronologically as they are in the bible or by date uh, we might come out a little different than, than that but we will begin with hosea then we have a congregational meeting and potluck dinner following our service today and i've already given my pastor's report and so that may go faster that we're all we're all guilty before god but justified by god's grace in jesus christ and then Next Sunday, or next Saturday, rather, is Lady's Second Saturday Brunch at 11 o'clock. Anything else this morning? If not, uh, God's blessings to you, and we will start our meeting in just a couple of minutes. Thank you.